Welcome to Subway Sports Talk. Dan, 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 clear of the closing doors, please. Here we go, Subway Sports Talk. My name is Peter Kennedy, and I am your host. Thank you so much, as always, for tuning in to the last episode of 2020, or the first episode of 2021. Depends on when you listen to it. But let me do this real quick before we get going. And, you know, I got to say something real quick. Let's get our co-host in. The NBA Outsiders are here. Great way to end the year or to start the year with an NBA episode, talk about this early season NBA stuff. So, first and foremost, John Lucas Duffy, was up? Still alive. The parlay is alive. The the Nets first win. Subway By Sports the time you listen to this, you'll have, you'll have heard uh, LaMelo Ball go for 30 in the Mavs loss, but that's okay. <laughs> the inaugural Subway Sports Talk parlay on Twitter and Instagram that we'll be posting throughout the season now. Uh, we'll see if it's a winner. Maybe we'll know by the end of the episode. Uh, but second... Frank Villani, what's up, dude? What's going on, PD? How you doing, brother? Bro, chilling out here, ready to talk hoops with the boys. And Andrew Duffy, I, you're, the music's still on. Andrew Duffy, say something. Hurry up. I'm back. Yes. I got to you with the music still pumping. Uh, and maybe that's because Kyle wasn't here. Maybe it's because I wanted to make sure I got to you with the music still hitting. Uh, either way, the job was done. So Andrew Duffy also here. Sorry to rush you there. That's all right. That's why I got a quick phrase there. You can sneak it in whatever you want. There you go. And that is why you are at Duff the Glue Guy because you're ready to to fill the need. You're ready to do what needs to be done to create a winning play. And that's what I know about you. Even though I've never seen you play basketball, I can guarantee it. I can almost guarantee it. You can. You can put that in your parlay <laughs> next week, John Lucas. <laughs> I have seen you play basketball. It's the lock of the century. <laughs> <laughs> great stuff. Great stuff. Um I do want to take a quick moment here, not to get too sappy uh, and all, because we are going to get to a bunch of NBA stuff. We're going to talk about our early season reactions. Uh, you know, some things maybe we regret predicting at the beginning of the season, and then some things we want to double down on, because that's what it's about. Sometimes you make a take, you got to double down. You got to just put all your eggs in that basket, and that's that's who you are. I am a Harden guy. Frank is a Westbrook guy. Duffy, I don't know. Duff, what's your... What's your equivalent to me and Frank's Harden-Westbrook situation? It was Kyrie, and then I jumped off that. That was a few years ago. Uh, I don't know. I don't know if I got, like, a controversial guy that I'm that I'm down with. I don't know. I mean, you did, well, and I, then you gave up on him right before you uh, would have seen the promised land, so. Who, Kyrie? No, the, the Suns and your boy D-Book. Oh, so. True. Yeah, I don't dude, count him I as just, your team anymore. I know Pete still calls him your sons. No, nah, that's fine. I was there that's when I was there when you you severed that tie when you burned that bridge. So that's wow. fair. Wow. Honestly, so maybe maybe what we learned is uh, Duffy's now Flake Griffin. So I, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> ooh, ooh. <laughs> I, can get, I can get on, I can get on that train, man. <laughs> I mean, over the course of our friendship, he's been a Celtics fan. Uh, no, that's a not Sixers true. Now fan, he's the biggest Sixers Warriors fan. You know. fan. <laughs> I was never, I was never the Celtics fan. I was, I was a Warriors uh, fan for like a season, and then they won the championship. I was like, oh, well, everyone's just calling me a, a douchebag. And then I went the complete opposite <laughs> direction and went with the, uh, went with the Sixers. 
And still, everyone's calling me a douchebag. So I get. And you're still a douchebag for the <laughs> yeah, ten minute monologues every time we talk about the Sixers. Now, you're now someone's got to do it. You're now the biggest Sixers fan I know, and you've only been a Sixers fan for like three years or four years, which is pretty incredible. Because yeah, Babs fake as fuck. I do give you credit though, because you did. You know, you were there for the process. You, you and I, I was there too. Even though I don't try to own that, but we watched way too many Sixers game when they were absolute hot garbage. So. Oof. You know, what are you going to do? Hang your hat on that, Duff. We'll, we'll let you have that. Andrew, I don't know, with your uh, your basketball, your NBA stuff specifically, I don't know if you have a take like that, but we're going to get one as time goes on. I think it might be Jalen Brown. He might be your guy. Jalen Brown's, oh, I don't know, that's a controversial well, take because I yet. think he's damn good. But Not yet. You think it was controversial well, when uh, James Harden won his first MVP that I was a big James Harden guy? It became a controversial, I'll tell you that much. So, Jalen Brown, can't quit him. We'll see. PJ Dozier, <laughs> I'm on that hill with you. Yes, thank you. I heard the shout-out last week, so I appreciate that. And for anyone who doesn't know who PJ Dozier is, he's on the Nuggets. He's a backup guard, and yeah, check him out next time you watch the Nuggets. But with, with all that jibber-jabber, I do want to say one thing before we get into the, the thick of the basketball conversation. It's the end of 2020, or the start of 2021, as I chronicled. And I just need to say thank you. I need to say thank you to John Lucas and Frank and Andrew and Kyle, who's not here with us today, and Alec Argento and Andrew Kalanya and Pat Boyle, Rocco Del Puri, Chris Mule. Those are the guys who you hear most on this podcast with me. So obviously, shout out to them. But uh, even more so because, you know, all of us, we love doing this. We have a great time. We put time into this. We put effort into this, thought into this. But without you guys clicking play, listening along and you know, hitting us up and saying you like the show or hitting us on Twitter, all this stuff, <clears throat> it means a lot. I'm not getting choked up. I just had something in my throat, I promise. Uh, and it, it's just awesome to get any sort of feedback and just hear that people are, are listening and people are appreciating it and following it on Instagram. Even something as simple as when someone says, oh, man, I've seen your stuff on social media. It looks great. Keep it up. I know you're not listening to the podcast, but that's okay because you're you're seeing it and you're supporting it. And it's important to to reflect and say thank you. Um, we've been through a lot this year. Everybody has. So the fact that we can now sit here and talk about sports is really, really cool, even though there's still some obvious stuff going on in the world that needs to be worked on. But we can talk about the NFL and the NBA and baseball and have fun with it and uh, t- talk about some interesting stuff and just make the best of it. And that's what we've done. We were Sports Blog New York podcast. We are now Subway Sports Talk. That all happened this year. Since that's happened, we've gotten a great number of listeners, and we're going to try to just keep that going in 2021 with some great content that hopefully y'all can keep appreciating and hopefully we can keep growing with as well and keep getting better and keep giving the people what they want. Um, I don't know if anyone has anything to add, but that's my little spiel. Thank you all for listening. But we'll get to basketball in a second. Anyone have anything to add on that? No, it's just cool to see where it's uh, where it's come. It started as me and you on your old uh, MacBook that used to take two hours to load. Imagine yeah, how long it sitting takes now. In, in your room sharing just the, com- the, the computer mic. And now uh, we got Kyle Anderson on the pod who sounds like Jesus. <laughs> on good authority, sounds like Jesus. And tough. it's so funny. I'm actually, I'm sitting right now because I just moved. So my 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 uh, second room here is like in shambles. But I am sitting right next to the bed with the same comforter from four years ago when we started this. And thankfully, it's been washed a good bit of time since then. Um, but yeah, it's, it's funny to think that because we were, we thought we were like breaking ground. I took the Mac off the desk 
because there was too much echo on the desk. We're like, put it on the bed, and we'll lean over the, the, the side of the bed. It'll make it sound better. And I've clicked on some of those old episodes on SoundCloud back in the day, and it was like, oh, my God. This is like scratching a chalkboard in my ear with people talking at the same time. Uh, not that bad, obviously, but it was it was really bad. So we've come we've come a long, long way here. I, tech's evolved, bro. Tech has evolved. Yeah. Everybody's got a blue yeti nowadays. That's right. <laughs> it was funny during quarantine; those things were man, those things were hard to find. But um, yeah, here we are, and that's it. That's all I gotta say. Frank, you got anything to add? You've been here for a while too. Nah, I'm just enjoying the ride. I kind of sit back and watch for the most part. So. I like where we're headed. I like Subway Sports Talk. I like the logo. And I think you're doing a good job. So shout out listeners. Tell your friends, bro. There you go. Tell your friends. Um, but that's enough stuff with all that, you know, look back and, and whatnot. But thank you for, for listening as always. But now on to the NBA. That's the NBA Outsiders. So what we're going to do here, as I explained before, we're going to go through a couple teams that we talked about in our preview podcast. Uh, maybe we're going to double down on some takes. Maybe we're going to say we regret some takes. Um, as the season is so early, it's important to remember though. A lot of this stuff doesn't really make sense yet. The Knicks beat the Bucks by 20 points. The Clippers lost the game by 50. It doesn't mean that those teams are absolute trash or the Knicks are actually really good. Um, so you have to take a lot of things with a grain of salt, but we're going to sift through that. We're going to help you understand, hopefully, what's going on in the first portion of the season. Hopefully what we're seeing and we're going to rip some takes off, as we do. So, John Lucas Duffy, as you've been the most tenured co-host, why don't you start us off and give us one take from the preview pod that you either regret or want to double down on? All right, so one take. One take I'm going to regret. Potentially. Uh, I'm not 100% sure on it yet, but it looks like it's going to be a big fat regret. Is the Washington Wizards over? That looks real bad right now. They're 0-4, and it's kind of just disgusting to watch uh, a team that has Bradley Beal and Russell Westbrook, two guys who could have or did make all NBA teams in the past couple of years, so that makes them you know, two top 15 players. I know they're not the most uh, efficient or whatever, and there's there's a big gap between you know, like the top eight players and the the next eight players. But still, in the Eastern Conference, even though it is better than it's been in past years, if you have two guys like that, there's no chance you shouldn't at least be a 500 team, at least make the plan. So right now, that's looking like the biggest regret. And if there's another one that's like, oh, maybe slightly, I'm not sure how it's looking so far, the Nets, they don't run any offense. And I just got finished watching them play against the Hawks, and maybe this is a little bit of a, a gut reaction, but... Don't don't love what I'm seeing out of the Nets so far. I know it's a lot of chemistry issues early on, but we'll see. Now, granted, you so, took the under on the Nets, but yeah, go ahead, Frank. I was going to say, it's interesting I, you picked that one to switch because I'm, I'm locking oh, it in. Oh, wait, I miss, I miss Red. I miss Red. I thought I was, uh, I thought I took the over on that. You so, thought you were Duff the Glue guy for a second. I, I did. <laughs> <laughs> Typical. Typical younger brother trying to just be like his older brother. <laughs> It's the shit I've been living with. It's my MO. I was going to say that I'm doubling down on my lock of the Wizards. I don't care about the own four start. Oh, baby. Uh, I think, 
you know, it's it's obviously a, a weird season. I think it's probably a shorter off season than most teams are used to. And for a team that made a big trade like that, probably shorter than even most. So uh, I'm not ready to give up yet. I like what I've seen at Westbrook and Bradley Beal specifically. Um, obviously, they haven't won the games, but they look like they are doing what they do well, at least. So I'm not I'm not panicking yet. I'm locking it in. I'm, st- I'm sticking with it. So we have a regret and a double down on the same team on the same overpick on the first one of the, of the pod. I love that. So I'm, I'm also on the over. We actually all picked the over. All five of us, including Kyle, have the over on the Washington Wizards. So that's like the biggest red flag, right? They're 0-4. Is that correct to start? That's not obviously yeah. not good. Now, Bradley Beal's averaging over 30 points a game, and that's what he did last year as well. He averaged almost 30 points a game. I think he was second in the league in scoring, wasn't an all-star. I'm kind of with Frank here, though. I think this team is going to figure it out. I do have one question. Remember back in Oklahoma City with Scott Brooks? Weren't we all saying, like, what does this guy do? Like, what is he doing for the team that is making them better? He seems like a nice guy. seems like people like him, sure. Is Scott Brooks doing anything special as a coach? I'm not sure. And everybody was like, oh, excuse me, Russell Westbrook back with Scott Brooks, like, great relationship, like, that's great. To me, Russell Westbrook's criticism back then was that he walked all over his coach and the coach wasn't able to do a job. Now I'm afraid we could run into that again. As far as personnel standpoint, I think they're going to start to trend up. They're going to start getting a couple wins. There's a bunch of new dudes here. For example, they just lost to the Bulls. The Bulls may be not that talented or a weird fit, but they actually have continuity. They're bringing back a lot of the same guys. I'm with Frank. I'm going to double down. They still get to 33, 34 wins. I still think they get to 500, realistically, 36 wins. But you have to give them time. Some of their guys are doing well. But, for example, Davies Berton's not shooting like his normal self. And Russell Westbrook is oh, 10% from three. Um, but I, I just can't quit them yet. I think the roster's still good enough. I'm just a little curious about Scott Brooks. I think I'm going to stick with the over, though. I think this braver is man a, than little, I. a little weird. uh I will say, I wonder if there's going to be some panic moves, right? You're just talking about Scott Brooks and the fact that him and Russ Book may have never really gelled in, in, you know, in Oklahoma City. So you wonder if some of these teams get off to a little bit of a shaky start and all in four turns a two and seven, and then it's, you know, four and 12. Like, are these teams going to make some, some knee jerk decisions um, because of the 10 less games? I wonder about that because. Some of these teams, like the Magic, who already have four wins, like they're looking good. You know what I mean? They're like, you got four wins in the bank, and nobody can take those from you. And now the season's even shorter, so you have less, you know, wins that you need to maybe get into the tenth spot. That's a, a great point, and it just reminded me of the conversations we had about baseball all summer, where it was like always in a hundred sixty-two game season, you go, oh. You know, you can't win a season in April, but you can lose a season in April. Now that's even more true. Now with a shortened NBA season, yes, 10 games may not seem like a big difference, but when we've seen playoff spots come down to the last game of the season or the last two or three games of the season in the past couple years with 82, with 72, it's that much tighter and every win could mean that much more. So that's a great point by you, Andrew. And two teams you would probably look at as super comparable in the Magic and Wizards, basically like, you know, six as their ceiling 
and like 10 as their floor, the way they started this season can absolutely change the trajectory of the rest of the 72 games. Uh, that's a that's a very interesting point. Exactly. And the Magic, the, uh, the, the last last year, right? I mean, they, they kind of outperformed, I guess, and they finished eighth. I mean, they got... They lost to the Bucks, but you know they were one of the teams that the Wizards were competing with, and exactly what you're saying. Like one's off to a great start, the other's off to a crappy start, you know. But that's a that's a major difference, you know. Maybe another two or three weeks could be an issue. Yep, that, that's it. And <clears throat> quick thing on the Magic, because I know the Magic are definitely not any of our picks for the the rest of this segment here. Uh, Markel Fultz looking really good. That's amazing. Shout out to Markel Fultz. We want him to do well after his just completely bizarro world start to his NBA career. He was talented, and he's starting to show it again, which is great. Um, and then also, this team's professional. Like, this is a professional basketball team. Vucevic, Fournier, now Fultz, uh, Aaron Gordon. They don't suck. And they've proven that for, like, three or four years in a row now, where they are just constantly, like, 500, 7 seed, 8 seed, whatever. They're probably going to be there again. And... When you're the Hawks and when you're the Hornets and you're scratching and clawing for every win, you're trying to get into the playoffs, getting to play in, you're going to be pissed looking at the Magic like, God damn it, this team is still freaking in it. But yeah, I digress. Um, <clears throat> I'll move on. Andrew, what's your first one? Regret or double down? Pick one. I feel really good about the... I, obviously, I wasn't on the podcast last week to do the picks, but... The Raptors, I took the under, and that was one of my locks in the East. Um, that was nothing other than just gut, having watched them play in the bubble against the Celtics those seven games. They lost a couple of key guys in the offseason, Ibaka, Gasol. Uh, Siakam, you know, people have talked about how he hasn't quite taken that next step like a guy like we were just talking before the podcast, Jalen Brown has. Like every year, Jalen Brown's continuing to take a step in a positive direction. Siakam seemed to have gotten thrown off, you know, during the pandemic. And then the bubble, he obviously didn't look right. And the pandemic has affected each individual very differently, you know, no different than us, right? These these guys are basketball players. That's their job. It's infected our, affected our jobs too. So it should be no different. But something about the Raptors just said to me that they were getting, I don't want to say like old as in age, you know, besides Lowry, but kind of old and stale as an organization. There wasn't um, a ton. There has been turnover, but there hasn't been like a ton of, turnover with really important guys and just you know a gut feeling I had their coach is fantastic so I do think they can figure it out but correct me if I'm wrong I mean I'll double check the standings here they're another team that has started out uh yeah oh and three so they're not looking great right now uh not that I'm you know rooting against the Raptors they were just a team I thought would would be under I like that pick. I don't remember what I picked specifically, but also I think I actually picked the over because they're yeah, like did. the perennial regular season team that plays hard every night. But they're on top of all of that staleness you were talking about. They're not even playing where I guess they're used to. They're down in Florida. So just another obstacle to overcome. I forgot about that. That's a good point there, Frank. Yeah. Yeah. Being away from home is, is not fun. For these teams, yeah, the it's only like the bubble all over. They get like deja vu, bubble deja vu. That team, yeah, for real. The only guy who like it really doesn't matter for is like Aaron Baines. Like the the new center they got, he never even moved to Toronto. 
he signed there in the offseason. Like, I'm, I guess I'll move right to Tampa. Like, that, just, it's just strange, though, you know? Like, Kyle Lowry's been there for so long. His kids live up, like, his family's up there. That's, that's strange. I know it's one thing for, like, J.J. Redick, for his family to live in Brooklyn and him to decide to go play in New Orleans. It was an active decision to do that. He understood his family would be one place, whatever. If you're the Raptors, it's like, pluck, you're out of Toronto, go to Tampa, complete opposite place in the world. And, uh, yeah, your kids, they can stay, they can come. You better figure it out now. Hurry up. Yeah, having having no agency over that decision probably <clears throat> is awful, like yeah. you said. Yeah, so that's that's stinky. And it's it's tough. You know what my one question is, as a guy who was big on Fred Van Fleet, he was somebody who I was very interested in the Knicks signing because I think he's like that good of a player. Like, he deserved that contract. It's almost looking like he's their most trustworthy offensive player right now because obviously Kyle Lowry's probably their best when it comes down to it. But now for for 72, I should say, um, he's not giving you like the consistent offensive usage and punch every single night. And Pascal is now in a rut a little bit still. Is it is it okay that Fred Van Vliet might be the best offensive player in this team? I feel like that's not okay. No, not okay. As much I as I like, as much as I, I like the guy too. No, he's, he seems like a fantastic teammate, and he's obviously uh, a, a great player. But I don't think he – you don't want him to be your first-choice option on offense. I mean, that's that's just bad news. and Like we talk about all the time, that just makes your ceiling that much lower because on any given night, you know, he can't do the things that a Tatum can do or, you know, a Luka or a DeMar DeRozan like we were just talking about. Yeah. So you mean a, a Jalen Brown? Right or Jalen Brown? Uh, I don't know. Uh, that that that's just a good point though. I actually picked the over on the Raptors too, Frank. I think, I think that's looking tough for us. But I I do still imagine they get right and they get into the playoffs. But uh, forty two wins now is looking a little tight, and that thirty eight, thirty nine, forty range is looking a lot more possible. So we'll see how the Raptors can flip it around. Um, but with that, I'll keep it in the Eastern Conference. It looks like we're all Eastern Conference right now. I'll keep it there and I'll I'll slip my first one in here. I cannot believe myself. I'm very disappointed in my under pick. And I didn't pick many unders on the Eastern Conference. If you remember the picks pod, I for some reason I blacked out. I was picking a lot of overs. In my head it was making sense. I don't know what happened. But the one under I really regret is the Indiana Pacers. And there's a few reasons. I even mentioned it, I think, when we were recording the pod. I was like, I actually like this team to still be in the playoffs. Like, you can't sleep on them. Brogdon and whatnot and Sabonis and whatnot. But I forgot that, like, I love Sabonis. Watching this guy, DeMontis Sabonis, play basketball, he he's kind of like Jokic East. Now, he's not quite the passer, but he's a little bit more physical, and he's a little bit more, you know, defensively. Actually, he's a, a good bit more defensively savvy. Um, this guy, Sabonis, is no joke, and he was not a fluke all-star last year. I think he easily takes over the best player on that team. <clears throat> and even though Victor Oladipo's athleticism is looking be- like looking close to back to normal in the small bits I've seen him this year, and Brogdon we knew and still is a great player or very good player, Sabonis is asserting himself as an all-star in this league, as the best player on this team. The new coach has not only Sabonis, but Miles Turner shooting threes and playing an up-tempo style of offense. Man, what I've seen from the Pacers so far this year, which hasn't been every game, but I've caught them for at least one full game and a half and then a bunch of highlights. Bro, I can't believe I picked under on this team. I should have displaced my under somewhere else. 
they're going to be a 40-win team, and I'm guaranteeing it now. I wish I could switch that under to an overlock. Not going to do that. But if I regret one pick from the preview, that's my pick. So you're just picking it, basically picking another over. Well, you know what? <laughs> that, that over would uh, come with some, some unders alongside of it. You know what I mean? So I would maybe I would uh, switch my over lock on the Pistons to an under. I don't know, maybe. Maybe my over on the Hornets to an under. I don't know. There's some unders that would follow. Maybe the Raptors switch down to an under. But the Pacers should have been one of my many overs, and some of my overs should have been switched down to unders, for sure. But yeah, my over, my over count was crazy. Unders, and Pete really took that to heart. <laughs> my over count was crazy on, on, the, on the preview pods. <laughs> you, you, said, you said, heck it, dude. You, you're putting shots up. That ass, you know what I mean. Oladipo looks good too. He was flying around against the Celtics last night. That was he. He he was really super active, like like you expect from Oladipo. You know, like coming into the season, I'm sure others like me weren't weren't entirely sure what to expect. But that guy looks really engaged for someone who claims that he doesn't want to be there at all. Unlike James Harden. Well, he's got to be right. Because nobody else will trade for him or sign him. Well, you, you'll sign yeah, him. Yeah, Harden season, can act but... like a dickhead and then drop forty-four and seventeen assists. Right, right. But it, it's interesting because I was the only one that took the over on the Pacers, and the biggest reason I did is because of the things that we just talked about with the Raptors, right? The Pacers. I think John Lucas said it in the podcast. They're boring. They're the same old team. Blah blah blah. There's nothing exciting about them. But in a season like this, with the quick turnaround, less games. You want that continuity. You want those guys who have played together, who have gelled, who know what to do. The coach, they, they all know what to expect. So I think they had a leg up on some of these other teams like the Nets and, and the Hornets and you know some of these teams with a lot of changes. When you've got guys who know what they want to do in a short season and a quick turnaround and short short camp and all that stuff, that's perfect. You get those those rookies up to speed, those other guys who made a, came, you know, a couple of free agent signings, and that's exactly what you want. And that, that made me think of something there, Andrew, because that's a, another interesting point. You know how we always talk about, or not we always talk about, we, we often talk about <clears throat> a team who made it to the finals, won or lost, how they are fatigued the next year. You know, it's, it's tough to, to keep that energy up and keep that championship hunger for a whole season, let alone two seasons, let alone three seasons. If you think about it with this Raptors team now, they won the championship, we all think about Kawhi Leonard. He may have left, but all those dudes were still there grinding for that first ring, right? Last year, there were another top-tier, true championship contender that fell apart a little bit in the playoffs. You know, they didn't look as good as we, we hoped they would have, but they still grinded and had that championship hunger for most of that season, for all that season. Now they, they can be the bad type of, of continuitous, conti- continu- continu- continuity, continuity, continuous that that can't be the right whatever you know what i'm continuity? trying to say they have the bad type of continuity where it's getting tired it's getting stale as you said and the pacers have the good one where they haven't really won anything yet and they haven't proven anything yet sabonis brogdon oladipo warren they're all like good little cute stories but they still have a lot to take off on a lot to prove so it's the good type of uh continuity if you will they got a little bit of a chip on their shoulder right Miles Miles Turner, right? Is that his name? Miles oh, yeah. Turner, for sure. Right? They changed his role. Now he's just a spot up guy. He's got something to prove. Nobody traded for him. 
uh, Holiday, right? He's one of the other brothers of Drew Holiday, so maybe he feels like he's gets slighted a little bit, so he wants to jump up. Both, yeah, it's a good angle on that, on that one. Nobody really talks about them, so right, they they're t- probably tired of people just glossing right over them. Yeah, and I'm telling you, if you're an NBA fan and you haven't watched them, like you got to take a peek at Sabonis. That guy's doing awesome stuff on the court. He is really, really awesome to watch. Um, Frank, though, let's go back to you. I know your first one might have been the Wizards, but since you kind of piggybacked J. Lou. Let's uh let's go to your next one from from you. I don't know if it's a double down or a regret, but let it rip. It's a regret. Uh, it's one I'm surprised nobody likes said anything about when I when I made my pick. But I picked the the over for the Warriors, and I definitely have historically been just not about the Warriors. So uh, they stink. Um, James Wiseman's kind of cool. But Andrew Wiggins and uh, Kelly Oubre ain't it, bruv. That's pretty much <laughs> all I got to say. I love that. I mean, it's <laughs> it, I don't know how else to even defend it right now. I mean, the only thing I'll say is is Wiggins has never been it. Ellie Oubre was kind of it last year, so let's give him some time. But I cannot believe, looking back on it, that you were the only one of us to take the over. Yeah, I'm surprised nobody was, like, dogging on me. Well, I think I took the under, but I had a lot of nice things to say. I was basically just saying, I'm worried Draymond Green's going to suck. Like, I'm I'm real worried that if Draymond Green comes back and doesn't look good or can't do what he normally can do, that we're just going to be like, wow, that team just is, like, an anomaly at this point. Like, the team that was the best team in the league for four years, you know, plus KD. You know, what were those individuals? They may have been the best team. Individually, I think we hyped them up all way too much, except for Kevin Durant. And that's something, can, that's a conversation that's impe- like is on its way, basically. We could You could all in on Claytheism uh, then, though. Oh, true. Like, Heavy Claytheism. Clay was actually always the best player on the team, and we just didn't realize it because he looks like Squidward's house or something, <laughs> you know? Now what? My Claytheism T-shirt is aging nicely right now. Yeah, definitely. Looks like. What is wrong with Draymond? What what injury does he have? Broken heart because the (laughs) team's not that good. (laughs) Pride. I don't know. Uh, Let me check for you. Well, he did. He did have COVID, right? Uh, Yeah, him and James Wiseman missed a a portion of camp with COVID. Yes, that is true. Right, but he's still out injured. Strained muscle in his right foot. Okay. Now I wonder if they're even going to bother rushing him back or not, right? Probably not. Take his they time. Go, they kind of gotta if they want to make the playoffs here. The only they 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 won one game. Uh, I forget who it was against off the of Damian Lee three at the buzzer beater. It was the Bulls. And then the oh yeah the Bulls. And then they they beat the Pistons, who are just so sorry this season. And it's going to be like that all year. They're still winless. Yep. So it's it's not like they're you know, hanging with the good teams or something like that. They're just, they, they've gotten a lucky win against a bad team and then they beat up on a bad team. So it's not, it's not like they kind of have time to play with here. I feel like they got to get them back in the mix as soon as possible, especially with, like we were talking about before, guys that they might not have a ton of continuity with, especially with Steph Curry on the court. Like those two guys have such a specific chemistry compared to everyone else on the team and trying to get everyone else to play their brand of basketball and get on the same page with them is so important. It's especially Wiseman's a rookie. Kelly Oubre is obviously new to the team. Wiggins played all of last season without Steph Curry. So it's it's 
I, they, I, to me, they got to rush him back as soon as possible, especially with no clay on the, on, for the entire season. It's getting ugly. It was, in- it was interesting. I was listening to the, uh, what was it, the Real Ones podcast and Roger Bell, or was it that one? Regardless, maybe it was the Zach Lowe one, but I, somebody was talking about trading Draymond Green, right? If he comes back and he looks great, and, or what, two, one of two ways, right? Like if he comes back and he looks great, you might showcase him and trade him and you get some pieces back to a contender because if he looks good, he can definitely help a contender, especially in the East or some of these other teams. But this might be a season where the Warriors can't sit around too long and they might have to really turn this thing over fast and ugly in the way that guys like Draymond Green might have to go, who've been a staple. So I think they're a really interesting team to watch, truthfully, to see if one, you know, what Steve Kerr can really do as a coach because he's going to have, you know, he's going to be cut out for it. And then two, how they're going to move forward and take that next step to come back and contend. I mean, what they did was unbelievable. So it's a little sad that it ended, especially the way it did, but. So abrupt. And I want to take just, you brought up the question. So I'm just curious what you guys are thinking. Just kind of take everyone's temperature here. What what do you feel is like the percentage likelihood that they would maybe go that route where they start to sell off pieces for draft picks and just say, all right, we're just going to kind of soft tank this season for another draft pick. Well, they're not trading Especially Steph Curry. Flat You're talking about Draymond right, Green right. specifically. They're not going to trade Curry. No, he's obviously off the table. Maybe Ubre they could move. Wiggins may be movable, probably not, but... I, neither, I, honestly, right now, neither one of them. You wouldn't touch them with a hundred foot pole. I would say, I would say it's about twenty five percent at minimum, and you can argue it's about forty percent. I just, I wouldn't go higher yet, just because we haven't seen their team at full strength, and it is the first week of the season. Like, uh, you know, for example, the Cavs are not a three and one team. You know, if the, if they play four games again in their schedule, I'm, I'm going to guess they're not going to go three and one again. So you got to give it some time. But what I worry about when I think about the Golden State Warriors, if you, you look at the other teams in their realm, the over-unders being about 500, give or take a couple games, it's, it's, <clears throat> excuse me, it's the Rockets, it's the Grizzlies, Timberwolves, Pelicans, Suns, you know, Blazers were a little bit higher, but whatever. Kings, Spurs, right? All those other teams already have something that they're hanging their hat on this season. Obviously, Memphis with John Morant's injury, you can take them off that list a little bit. But, you know, Sacramento, for example, looks really strong and frisky right now. If you're Golden State and you're like, damn, we don't even know if we can compete with Sacramento, it's time to think about making some damn moves. So I think it's it's close to over the 50% hump, maybe around 40% right now. I, I mean, I, I don't really know, to be honest, but I would say it's it's... I would say 50-50 based just off the fact it's like it's probably whatever Steph feels. If Steph's like, no, let us let us ride, they probably will. But if he's ready to, I guess, commit to the rebuilding Golden State, they'll probably do it. But I just don't imagine them doing anything that he's not cool with. Of course. I don't I don't think they're gonna do a hard rebuild though. You know, like it's not gonna be a hard reset, especially with Steph there. Wiseman, and they do have some decent pieces. Say what you want about Wiggins and Oubre, but if you put them in the right spots, you'd rather have those two guys than a lot of other guys coming off the bench for some other teams that are, you know, at least competing for playoff spots. So I think it's going to have to be something smart, and I don't think it's going to be just straight-up draft picks. I think they're going to be looking for actual players back who can actually help them, especially if Clay, you know, they're banking on Clay coming back, or if Wiseman, as the season goes, starts to take some steps where he might really be a player, you know, somebody who can be 
accountable next year. Impacting winning and shit, yeah. I just, I still just don't understand the trade for for Wiggins, I guess. I don't know. I still think this team with D'Angelo Russell and, and Steph would be better. More fair, Definitely more frisky, like more fun. Like, well, they got an additional additional pick out of it, right? From who, uh, is that for a future year? Is it not manifested yet? I, or I think it's that? yeah, I think it's next year because obviously the Timberwolves right. had their own pick. They got number one pick la- or this past yeah. draft. Yeah, and remember, uh, okay. like, so maybe that's why it doesn't feel like it. But feel like they got anything back for that, right? But yeah, I think that was more kind of a long term hedge. And I don't know. I put the percentage like lower than UP. I put it like ten to fifteen percent right now, just because it doesn't even seem possible at the moment that they could do it because guys like Ubre, guys like Wiggins, the rest of the league are so skeptical of them already. True. That they, you know, we all kind of thought, hey, you know, you put Wiggins on a professional team like the Warriors, maybe he gets his act together and starts playing better in their system. He's around those older veteran guys who just shoot the hell out of the ball all day long and that'll rub off on him. Seems to not be doing that so far. It's kind of Ubre is kind of cut from that same cloth where I think he I think he cares more than Wiggins, but the results aren't any better. So if other teams might be looking around the league saying, man, these guys are like literally the worst shooters in the league right now. <laughs> and they like actually one and two or like one and two dead last and second to last worst shooters uh, around the rim from three. It's just, it's it's not going in from anywhere. So they they're, they might be looking like, Hey, why are we going to bring him in here? You know, we have such a high opinion of the Warriors and that organization, and they couldn't figure those two guys out. Why are Why are we going to take a flyer on them? You know, that's right. and I, it kind of starts with those two guys. Obviously, Draymond's hurt, but if they can't get any type of value out of those guys, I don't see where where it goes from here for them. They just might have to sit on their hands and hope for the best for next season. Hope Clay comes back. Right, and when it comes down to it, like Draymond. And this is my main point during the preview. Draymond is the linchpin again. Steph Curry is going to shoot the crap out of it, and he's going to do what Steph Curry does, obviously on a slightly limited basis based off the lack of spacing, lack of talent. If Draymond can be the Draymond who we saw win Defensive Player of the Year, or, you know, 85% of that Draymond, be the guy who averages seven assists a game, who can score 11 points a game, push it on the fast break, then all of a sudden, oh, Oubre and Wiggins look good in the fast break. Oh, they're hitting a few more threes. Now they look good. Steph Curry is doing Steph Curry things. But Draymond Green is more important to this team than he ever was. We we said he was always like the, the low-key X Factor, the low-key MVP, the glue guy. Well, glue sucks if your wood's broken. If you're trying to, you know what I mean? Like if you're trying to glue parts together, if the parts are broke as shit, it doesn't matter if the glue's good. You know what I mean? So Draymond Green's role may not even matter if those other guys can't get right, but if Draymond Green can't get right, then almost nothing matters on this team is the point. So we shall see, but we shall move on from uh, the Golden State Warriors talk here. And uh, Jay Lou, why don't you take us to your next one? Is it a regret or a double down? Uh, it's a double down. I'm going to double down on the on the uh, Portland Trailblazers over 41 and a half, I believe it was at. So I had that as a lock already. I'm going to double down on it again because I, I felt that this team was kind of kind of going to go as C.J. McCollum took them. And so far this season, obviously, young season, he, he's averaging uh, high, like 29 points, a lot to do with that 44-point game he had against the Rockets in, 
in the game where he went, you know, point for point with James Harden, who also had 44 in that. And he kind of single-handedly willed the Blazers to a win. You know, they're playing the Clippers tonight uh, in L.A. I picked the Clippers to win that game. To, I I I kind of thought they would win that game or at least cover four and a half, but that was just a moment early in the season where I felt like he kind of had set the tone for himself, and and really was kind of holding himself to a higher standard where he didn't get intimidated when he saw another uh, another superstar opposite him, and I think that that was an important moment for him as a early season confidence boost that he could always look back on. And say, you know, I I can be that guy on, you know, any given night, and it's just about consistency with him. So, I feel good about C.J. McCollum early this season. Obviously, you're gonna feel good about Dame. I feel like they've solved a lot of their depth issues. With uh, Zach Collins goes down, but they got Derek Jones Jr., who's been flying around on defense for them. Robert Covington is a piece that you know every team would love to have. Nurkic, we've talked about how we love him on here. Carmelo seems to be continually embracing the kind of off the bench role. Enos Cantor, another solid big to just he he's been good for Portland specifically in in multiple seasons, you know, in non-consecutive seasons, but and uh and Rodney Hood is back, who's just kind of like a, like average but professional wing, just kind of gives him another body for depth. So I like Portland. I'm doubling down 41 and a half over. Yeah, that's good. Rodney Hood, by the way. Occasional like walking bucket. I don't want to say a walking bucket full time, but he's at minimum a part time walking bucket. Like there are certain games. If you tuned into the right Rodney Hood game in his career, you're like this guy must average twenty six a night, right? <laughs> Obviously, it just doesn't go like that every night for him. But on a team with that much talent, that variance that he can swing becomes that much more important. We saw him in the playoffs two years ago, like absolutely just go ham. So having him back is a big boost. And I think I said this on on the over-under pod. I was like, the Blazers are now not asking Carmelo Anthony to play 30 minutes a game. That's probably a good thing. You know what I mean? So I don't think Carmelo's asking for it anymore. And like, I, yeah. I think you're exactly right. You kind of just, I think you, I just had like an out-of-body out experience where I feel like you just <laughs> pegged my, my my mental process perfectly. Got you. Thinking about that like triple overtime game against the Nuggets in the 2019 playoffs. I think it was the second round to send him to the Western Finals, and uh, Rodney Hood was just getting buckets in the overtime. Spin and moves. You just you you see moments like that, and you just think, man, this guy if he could just be more consistent. But that's what makes the greats great, right? They do it night in, night out. And you know what? A guy who's gotten a lot of crap as well in his career, uh, not Carmelo Anthony, but Enos Cantor, ex Nick great. <laughs> He's like. As a backup big, that guy's good. Like, he is a savage on offense. He's a great offensive rebounder. He has awesome touch. You can actually throw it to him in the post, and he can get a pretty efficient bucket. Yes, he's he's kind of a liability on defense, but Terry Stotts has probably used him better defensively than anyone else who's coached him. As the backup to Nurkic, that dude's very, very good. I, I saw a stat when I was watching their game against the Lakers. It was like uh, Nurkic and Cantor combined for. Uh, it was it was kind of ridiculous. It was it was like a lot of points and a, and a crap ton of rebounds. I don't want to say the numbers because I forget. But when I heard that, I was like, God damn! You put those two guys at your center minutes combined by Dame, CJ, and now this better supporting cast. Forty one and a half was probably too low of an over under for them. 
to be quite honest. And granted, we all picked over, so I guess we all feel the same. Not me. Oh, yeah. Andrew, oh, my gosh. I didn't see you on the, all the way end of my screen there. You had the under. What happened? Nothing. I just am zigging when everyone else is zagging. <laughs> I just. I, the masses are asses. I, I have nothing against Damian Lillard or CJ McCollum or any of those guys. I just. I, they're one of those teams, and I know they made the Western Conference Finals a couple of years ago, but I feel like they're they're one of those teams that is everyone's like dark horse pick every year to surprise people and do some things and yada 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 and i don't know i know you guys talked me off the ledge the last time about how they had some injuries and some guys missing in the bubble and it was a miracle they even made the playoffs etc but i just kind of goes to like it's just something i don't know i just no, i feel that i feel it it's a I, it's a f- totally fair point and your zag by the way quick aside because i don't i don't think this is anyone's uh thing here a quick, your zag on the Clippers. We all picked under, and you came in and picked over on the Clippers. We all hecked up. I'm taking that one as a podcast total, <laughs> not even just our podcast. Everybody in media who writes, who does a radio show, who does TV, I can't even think of one person one time off the top of my head, and I consume way, like a gross amount of preview NBA content, like a gross amount. I can't think of one time I heard somebody pick over for the Clippers. We should have all known. We should have we should have faded everybody. This team is still really good, especially in the regular season. They're three and one. They're one loss. They got absolutely murdered by 50 points, but they're gonna win a crap ton of regular season games. And we all picked under. Kyle locked it in. And I think we're all gonna be wrong against Andrew, except Andrew, who picked over and zagged off all of us who were idiots like the rest of the media. Now, it's only the second quarter, but they're up 13 right now on the Trailblazers. I didn't right? even know that. There you go. Right. So there you go. The one, and I have not quarter. seen a lot of Clippers. I saw some of that game on Christmas, and I and I caught a couple of plays of the game last night. But uh, Or two, was it last night? Maybe it was last night. But uh, Nick Batoon, like, I know everyone was shitting on him. Like, I know he was a sellout in Charlotte. And basically got that bag and then just mailed it in and said, I don't give a fuck. But he's actually looked pretty good for them. And, you know, you get Ibaka to replace Harold, and now you got Batoon running around out there. I mean, they got some good guys. I know Luke Kennard, some people question his contract, but he seems to fit in pretty well. You know, who knows what you're going to get from Reggie Jackson and Lou Williams, I know, is, you know, a nightmare on defense, especially in the playoffs. But I was always a Paul George guy, and then he kind of started talking too much last year. It got me off of him, but. I loved him when he was on the Pacers. I love, I would like me too. Praying to God that he was going to beat the LeBron team that one year, you know, when uh, Lance Stevenson was doing all that crazy stuff. But when he, when he dunked one year, on, it was like three years on Birdman, when he dunked on Birdman. Now he's talking about the one year they actually had a chance, though. There was like, yeah, yeah. Right. and it was the same year with like Hibbert, right? <laughs> the, yeah, and then the, the next year Hibbert was out of the league. The Pacers, right? the Pacers, yeah. not even out of the league. That was that was the playoffs that that Hibbert like. Destroyed the Knicks. Had, it, had his powers sucked into a basketball like the Monstars. He couldn't even grab a rebound anymore. Yeah. It was crazy. Once and he yeah. had like a decent regular season, and then playoffs came around, and it was like, yo, we might not be able to play this guy <laughs> at all. Once Hibbert like, went on Parks fun. and Rec, it was all downhill. Yeah, pretty much. Dude. What's that guy's <laughs> name? Same with Chris Bosh. What's the, the weirdo's name that he hangs out of his place? You know what I'm talking about. In, In Parks and Rec. Rec. Yeah. Oh, oh, wait, no. Uh, Tom, Aziz's Tom friend. Tom, oh, uh, frick. Oh, Bill, uh, 
God damn, that's going to crush my soul that I don't have his name off the top of my head. This is your guy, you, man. While you guys are thinking it's about ben this, Schwartz, I'll just say one more thing the about way. the Clippers. Is uh, Ty Lue. He's a fantastic coach, right? I mean, think about how many other teams, besides like Nick Nerds, Popovich, you know, the, the usual suspects, you're taking him almost every other candidate in the league. So they went from Doc Rivers, who's an excellent coach, nothing against Doc, to Ty Lue, who is a championship caliber coach, coach LeBron James. So that was another thing I was thinking about is they're, they're, you know, it's not like they went to some brand new coach who's never done this before. Ty Lue, he, he gets the job done. He's, he's a fantastic coach. So that was another a piece or reason why I, I thought they're going to hit the over. Good pick. It's a good pick by you. We, we all hecked up. I'll stand by it, but wait, Frank, ready? I'm ready. I got it too. If you don't. So wait. Well, before before I say it, I I I cheated. I looked it up because I was having an aneurysm over here. I just my brain kept just saying Ralph Macchio, <laughs> <laughs> and I I knew that wasn't correct because that's the Karate Kid, uh, and I was like Ralph Macchio, and I was just like tweaking over here. So yeah, go ahead. You say it. You deserve it better than me. It's uh, it's John Ralphio. Yeah, there John you go. <laughs> John Ralphio lo- ruined Roy Hibbert's career. That's kind of close, honestly, Pete. I know, and that's probably why my brain was just like, I was like twitching over here. I was like, I got to look it up or I'm going <laughs> to... I understand the confusion. <laughs> Yo, oh wait, but God. real quick, real quick on Nick Batum, because I, I was I was dogging him to Andrew basically like for three straight days over Christmas. Can you guys back me up that when he was on the Hornets, like he just dogged it for like five years after he got the max contract in the 2016 offseason? Yeah. Duffy, J. Lou Duffy, I am... I will back you so hard because I will I will call myself <laughs> I just I, want to make sure I'm not crazy. I was a Batum guy. Cuz he, cause I, he I looked was so good on the Blazers before that and now he looks so good on the Clippers. I I like, looked at I Batum in Portland and I was like that's the guy. That's the guy that any team would want because he can shoot, he knows how to pass. He is 15, you know, 5 and 5. He is not amazing, but he can do everything pretty damn well. And I think you, anybody would want that guy in the team. He went to Charlotte and he did nothing well. He hardly played. He might as well have been Luol Deng, who, you know, hasn't suited up in three years and still getting paid somehow. Like, Batum went from the guy every single team would have wanted to absolute irrelevance. And I said he needs to embrace his inner Boris Diaw, who was an oversized man playing basketball, but was so smart and so talented that it, it worked for the Spurs and the Suns when he was there. Batum... He may not even be at the DL level of size. He looks a little bit chunkier. But all of a sudden, it's like, oh, yeah, this guy knows how to play basketball. What did he, what did he do, Duffy, in the past three years in Charlotte? What was he doing? He just was collecting checks, not giving a heck. It's crazy to me. Collecting checks, eating at buff, all-you-can-eat buffets. What, what do French guys do? I mean, come on. <laughs> Smoke cigarettes? <laughs> croissants. <I don't> know. <laughs> yeah, a lot croissants. of croissants. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. No, he was abysmal, though, Andrew. For in Charlotte, he did nothing. He like didn't even try. He didn't even try to pretend to play. But that was like that was like kind of kind of what they did with uh, Terry Rozier and and Gordon Hayward, where they just overpaid for like solid guys. Where now you know we'll see how this season goes for the Hornets if they make the playoffs. That'll be like they won the finals. But um, I think the Terry Rozier contract's worth it after that dunk on Durant, though. Even though Durant was kind <laughs> of behind for itself them. in that moment. Yeah. Is like worth immediate worth. Now nah, he went up. Well, they may have Rosier done it again up. with Hayward. Yeah, yeah. He's he's been doing okay so far though. So yeah. Well, he started one of eleven tonight. I know they're kicking the Mavs' ass, but 
they may have done it again. That's all I'm saying. I mean, Hayward seems like a better teammate than what you're describing with Batoon, but mm-hmm. Rosier seems like a decent teammate as well. But. Man, just listen to this stat line, by the way. It's exactly like every team wants this as their fourth starter or their third star- third or fourth starter, whatever. Uh, 14.3 points, 5.6 rebounds, 4.9 assists, a steal and a block, 37% from three. Who doesn't want that guy? That's Nick Batum. 2013-14 in Portland. Goddamn. What happened? In Charlotte, his last two years, nine points a game. Set In 72, he played 72 games and averaged nine points a game. Crazy. Making max money. Ooh, that's not good. All right, he's back, though. Nick Batum is back. You heard it here first. <laughs> All right, we're off the rails. Okay. Uh, John Lucas Duffy, did you go for your second one yet? I'm, I'm like, I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, I had the Blazers. Oh, right, Blazers. Okay, so I guess that brings us back to me. Here, Andrew, do you want no, to rate? you picked the collective Clippers. Okay, so yeah, Andrew, why don't you give us one more, and then I'll, I'll close us out after that. Uh, I guess my biggest regret in the West, there's a couple that aren't looking great in it now, but the, my biggest regret is the Rockets. I took the over. I don't know what I was thinking. That was like I Double must down. Have been drunk at 10 in the morning when I took that. <laughs> that was idiotic because, one, I hate James Harden basketball style. I don't hate him as a person he might be a nice guy but i can't stand his the way he plays basketball i don't think he can be your best player i don't think you can win a championship with him whatever and now you throw in all the off-court stuff where he's going to strip clubs hanging out with people at raptor rapper parties there's a pandemic going on obviously he doesn't care about himself or his teammates why did i think they were gonna hit the over uh i guess i was trying to be a cool guy i don't know oh i, I you succeed on it. you're a cool guy Thank you, Frank. <laughs> <laughs> I say you should have doubled down. Yeah, I'm still on the over. I'm not swaying. Me neither. I'm Hard, saying- Hard, Chunky Harden putting up 40. Yes, sir. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just saying, if there's anyone built to be an oversized version of themselves in the league, I think Harden's that guy. And just for the regular season, I'm not talking playoffs, but like, if you're telling me that John Wall comes back and can like move around like he was, helps their defense a little bit, Boogie can do some some boogie things, and James can do thirty and ten. Being fat, I don't care. I think they win. I think they win more than thirty four games. So I don't particularly agree. <laughs> and plus, have did have you guys seen Christian Wood? This guy yeah, he is looks good. moving around the court like a savage right now. Especially former uh, Philadelphia seventy six or Christian Wood. Yeah, I've seen him. Really? When he's the op- He's the opposite situation of Harden. He's so happy to be there. He's like finally got some teammates that he rocks with, and they're all like, "Man, that could be the difference, right?" They get rid of Harden. Ewing theory comes into play. Those guys have fun. They pass the ball to each other. They don't just stand around and watch him dribble seventy-two times each possession. Yeah, Silas is on the sideline. Holy shit! Yeah, holy shit! Everyone's gonna listen to me. Wow. (laughs) (laughs) Oh man. Um. Sorry, I had to come out board there. No, yes. no, no, no. I I, I froze because I I lost my my last one there. Oh no, I was gonna say, are we done with? Are we done on the rock? Are we done the Rockets there? Because they're interesting, but I feel like we can't even really. It's like kind of an incomplete, if that makes sense. We have to see John Wall first, right? Like we have to kind of see it, and he's only on a COVID list. He's not even actually injured right now. Um, but no, I feel you. It's been ugly there, and especially on defense for them, yeah. which has been sneaky, uh, a, a decent strength for them in the past couple of years has been defense for the Rockets. And if their defense is real ugly and Harden isn't, you know, true Harden level and Wall's not doing whatever, 
that under that under's looking real good. God forbid a trade, you know. So I don't blame you for regretting that one. Uh, but I I, I want to wait and see. Just just for me. Um, but mine my my last one is a double down, and it is the Denver Nuggets, which may be a little bit worrisome because they're one and three at this point in time. But uh, I've I've just liked what I've seen so far. I think if Jamal Murray was in their most recent game, which I, I it was against the Kings, it was a tight one. I think Jamal Murray plays. They win that game. It's fine. He's going to be fine. Um, this team to me is just looking like a well-oiled machine. Michael Porter Jr. starting to rip. Jokic is a top eight player in the league, top ten player in the league easily. Paul Millsap still doing stuff. PJ Dozier is our guy. I just can't imagine this team not getting into a rhythm by next week or two weeks from now and just ripping off a bunch of wins. Even though they're one and three to start, I love them way too much. I'm double downing, uh, doubling down. That's probably makes more sense on 44 and a half <laughs> over for the Nuggets. I just I can't see uh, I can't see anything different. Now we all had over, and Frank had them as locked. Do you guys agree on that? Yeah, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> um, nah, man, I think they, they got a ton of talent. Um, they kind of like showed their guile last year in the playoffs, which obviously we've hit on and we all loved, and I think everybody around the country kind of loved. So, no, I'm not. I'm not ready to give up on them. Not after four games. And what's funny is I said that we all messed up by having the bad taste in our mouth on the Clippers and we should have went over. The exact, like the same concept as that is that we all had over on the Nuggets. We all should have went under because we had just like recency bias kind of thing. Bubble yeah. fever. I'm doubling down, baby. I don't give a heck. Freaking Jamal Murray. Better. Nope. I, I don't know what he needs to do to get back in his bubble mindset. Maybe, uh, yeah, uh, I was going to say something about that video that was famous about Jamal Murray. Maybe he needs to be no, away from that. Surprise! It's a family podcast. Maybe he needs it's to be away. It's a family podcast. <laughs> I don't know about this. You have to tell me offline. Yeah, when we finish <laughs> up in a minute here, I'll say, I'll tell, I'll tell you. But maybe I'll he tell needs, you. I'll he, tell you after Reagan goes to bed. He, <laughs> <laughs> he needs to stay away from that. Maybe, you know, you know how a fighter is supposed to keep things within until the fight's over. Maybe Keep Jamal's got it. That was amazing. Okay. Oh, speaking of fight, there's a fight breaking out right now in the Hornets Mavs game. Oh, somebody hit somebody. Is JJ Barea involved? It's one of the Martin brothers. I can't tell which one because they're twins. <laughs> and uh, which guy in the Mavs? Oh, a lot oh. of neck tats. Oh. Who's that? Oh, God. Number Stein, seven six, footer. Number 16. Uh, that's got a lot of be neck tats trill, and bleached hair. Trill Cauley Stein, if you will. That's Trill Cauley Stein. Is he seven footer? Yeah. That's he's he's that's Trill, 100%. It's got to be. Um, this is heated. Sorry, guys. This is bad radio. Tall. <laughs> they always say don't do play by play when you're doing a talk show. But hey, that's what we're doing right now. And it's working. And that's it. Honestly, that we just made it to the end of the episode. Uh, really wanted to get one more basketball episode in for the end of the year and let you guys have this piece of content. If it helps you on a drive to visit a friend or family or to go up to a mountain area and get some skiing in like I will be doing this weekend. Um, yeah, enjoy it. This is it. I will do this because we didn't do it last time with the football guys because uh, we went a little long, but, or do we not do it with our thing? Cause it was the preview, whatever. I'm just rambling random stuff out of my mouth right now. Let's do some last words. 
It's the last episode of 2020. Subway Sports Talk. We're doing last words. We're only at an hour right now. That's pretty short for us. So, John Lucas Duffy, I'll make you go first. What are your last words for SST? All right, Andrew and I are going to do a joint last words because we definitely wanted to talk about the Celtics and uh, Peyton Pritchard and Jalen Brown. We watched them play against the Pacers, and they were down, I want to say, 15 or 16 in the second half. 17 in the second half in the third quarter. And Peyton Pritchard on the floor for the beginning of the fourth quarter mounted that comeback for the Celtics, just he just dropping dimes to Robert Williams, who he seems to have great chemistry with already. And just someone, as a rookie, he has tremendous feel for the game of where he's supposed to be, where he's supposed to go, who he's supposed to give the ball to. And that was super fun to watch. Um, he actually had to, you know, Brad Stevens had to take him out because he was so exhausted for like a two-minute rest, and he, he threw him right back in there instead of having Jeff Teague, which was really interesting. And Jalen Brown just... You know, someone, I forget if I said this on the podcast or I was talking to Andrew about it on Christmas, where right now, Jason Tatum is definitely the more talented player, and it's why people are so enamored with him, especially in his rookie season going up against LeBron in the Eastern Conference Finals. But Jalen Brown is playing better during these NBA games. He's being more productive, and he's being more efficient, just the way he plays the game. So right now, Jalen Brown is the better player, and I, no one can tell me otherwise. And I know Andrew's going to back me up on that. Andrew? Yeah, Jalen Brown tonight, 15 to 21, 7 for 10 for 3, 42 points. He just seems to be under total control when he's out there, and he seems to be playing within himself. And that's the one thing that drives me crazy. For whatever reason, I happen to root for the Celtics, mostly because of Kevin Garnett when he played there those few years. But Tatum seems to really push the envelope. And he, I feel like he knows that he's an uber-talented guy who can do these things that other guys can't always do. But in doing so, he stretches his abilities to a negative, to the negative end. You know, mm-hmm. he's shooting these fadeaway threes. And at the end of the first quarter tonight, it was another ISO ball, and he took like a fadeaway 17-footer. And it's just it, – it, you forget that he really is only 22. And I know there's that joke that he's, you know, he's still 19, but he really is still yeah. only 22. And he hasn't had many leaders uh, on the court with him showing him how to do things. And I think that's what kind of holds Tatum back. But Brown is a little bit older, and you can definitely tell he's a little bit more mature. Um, not that Tatum is doing anything – inappropriate but it just you could tell that about them and um i know danny ainge has had all these picks and whatnot and it's none of them are really hit but if he has now hit on robert williams and pritchard to go along with some of these other guys and they get kemba back uh they could actually have something cooking there um but yeah i was really impressed especially with pritchard last night handling the ball uh there was one time he he got some bonus on his hip, and he like hezzled him and laid it in and got the foul. Um, they they look like the real deal, a couple of those guys. Seems like, to your point, Andrew, Jason Tatum is, and this is the last thing, and then we can move on, because I know it's supposed to be last words. Jason Tatum, uh, he, he he's like afraid to make the boring play in the way that Jalen Brown isn't, where he's just always trying to do something. It's like he's just trying to do something cool. Like you're saying he extends like it, it, what his abilities are supposed to be, and he's... And he's trying to he's not playing within himself it's like he's trying to be cool instead of just going to the basket hard and getting a layup 
and maybe getting some free throws. Like free throws aren't cool. You know what's cool? Playing like Kobe Bryant and sh- hitting sick fadeaways from like 18 feet, like you said. So you just play boring, Jason Tatum. Like you're you're an amazing player and you can beat almost anyone off the dribble. Just play boring. I don't know if you remember a few years back, uh, J. Lou and Frank too, when I was like ultra critical of Tatum for his like free throw attempts and his uh, shot chart where he's shooting these these mid-rangers and when you use the eye test along with the shot chart and where he shoots most of his shots, it's even more infuriating because he's trying to be special when his true specialness comes from just being, you know, bigger and more talented than a lot of people trying to stop him. And, and Jalen Brown plays with a level of intensity as well that I don't see from Tatum where Tatum seems to care more about the swag that he moves with. And Tatum uh, Brown's like, I am just going to fly through this miniature hole and try to make a layup. So it, it's a different philosophy from those two guys, which is why it's so frustrating when we could all pretty much across the board say Tatum is more talented, but it just doesn't always come to fruition, right? It's frustrating. I've been frustrated watching Tatum since his rookie year. He had that, that, that stretch, I think was it last year, where he started attacking the rim like a lot more. And I was like, this is the guy. That's the dude you got to be. So his specialness takes away from his efficiency sometimes because he tries to be too special. It can be frustrating for a Celtics fan, I imagine. I get frustrated. I don't even root for the Celtics. But hey, such as yeah, I, I, I only got like one thing to say about that, and it's definitely some high praise. But uh, Jalen Brown's arc for his NBA career reminds me of Kawhi's, mm. just like the steady improvement and what's been added to his game over the course of each year. Like he's been there like physically as an athlete since he got drafted. Um, And he had some cool offensive skills. Like he's good going to the basket because obviously he's a freak athlete, but he can handle the ball a little bit more. Now he can shoot obviously to your point. He hit seven threes tonight. Um, So, yeah, I mean, I'm scared of basketball robots. And he seems to be a basketball robot. So I, I kind of like that take. Frank, that's an awesome take because the uh, take, because <clears throat> a lot of people wanted to say Jalen Brown had a very similar trajectory to Kawhi's teammate, Paul George. But in fact, I think you might be on the nose there where Jalen Brown's mindset and whatnot can, and, you know, maneuverability on the court may be more similar to Kawhi. That's a good take. And with that, Frank, let's go right back to you. What are your last words for uh, so Yeah. I'll I'll be short. Um, I don't even know if he listens to this, but I'm gonna shout out my brother. He's turning 30 on on New Year's Day. Big 3-0. Big feel like it's a big birthday and not gonna be normal because all this you know COVID stuff. So, uh, shout out Sal. Happy birthday, bro. I can't believe you just did that, and I hate to like steal your thunder. My brother yeah, yeah. is expecting to have a baby. Hey, on New Year, like basically, like on New Year's wow. Day, and your brother's hey. a, your brother's a New Year's baby. I didn't even know that. Yes, he is. Well, happy brother, happy birthday to Sal, and good luck. Uh, can't wait. My brother Steve and his lovely wife Amanda are expecting any day, any hour. I can get a call right now. Who knows? Um, Uncle Petey, Uncle Petey in the in the biz over hey. here. Uh, but yeah, my I I was gonna say that, and then I was gonna say obviously we have to sneak in a quick Knicks take here. And this is going to sound boring, 
But so far, despite a few little injuries for quickly and top, and we want to see those guys on the court. They're the two of the most, probably two of the most five most important guys to watch this year for the Knicks. Um, they're out, but with minor injuries should be back relatively soon. I think we're seeing what we all hoped to see with the New York Knicks. Probably not going to win. Most likely not going to win a lot of games. But the energy and the effort and the ball movement seems to be proper right now. It seems to be trending in a direction to competence, to respectability, to consistent energy. And I don't know if it's Tibbs. I don't know if it's the new players. I don't know if it's the new front office. It's probably a mixture of all three. With that being said, Knicks fans should be excited to turn them on every single time they play because of the energy, effort, and competence they are showing on the basketball court. Just don't get too amped because the wins are not going to follow yet. But the direction is proper. And that's my next take as it was before the season with hopefulness. Now a week in with some sort of satisfaction, I have the same take. Riding yeah. the Knicks train this season. Even I'm on board. That's how you know it's real. Let's go, Duffy. If Julius Randle looks really good. I said last year as a spicy take, if he put up 21 and 10, he could have been a sneaky all-star candidate. Right now, he's like 25, and he just had a triple-double. He's like an 8-9 assist a game. That's not going to keep up. But sneaky all-star <laughs> appearance for Julius Randle on the horizon? I don't know. Whatever. Um, Let's settle for uh, Eastern Conference Player of the Week first. Yeah. Oh, hey, look, my dog's here. You have something to <laughs> so say? Trade Sam? showcase. Trade showcase with Julius Randle, right? Yeah. Yeah, he's doing phenomenally. That's a, like that's, Marcus Morris. That's exactly right. But uh, yeah, I think that's it, right? For uh, for John Lucas Duffy, for Andrew Duffy, for Frank Villani, I'm Pete Kennedy. This has been Subway Sports Talk. Shout out to Kyle who missed our episode tonight. My dog just took a pair of shorts and ran away from with me. Uh, ran away from me, and that's all good. Shout out to Shay. She should get a, a last word shout out for uh, 2020. Shout out to all dogs out there. They're awesome. Uh, Subway Sports Talk, thanks for listening. It's 2020. It'll be 2021 before we know it. Hopefully onward to some better stuff for everybody because we all freaking need it. Happy New Year, everyone. Cheers. Year.